Welcome back to the Miss Independent Podcast, season three, baby. Hope you all had a wonderful and restful new year. The first week back to the grind is always slow and kind of intimidating. So hopefully you guys are easing in. And if the human body is like an engine and it's minus 20 outside, you got to warm up the car first for a few minutes before you go full throttle. Maybe I should take my own advice because I just got back from Quebec and the grind is definitely on. For anyone who doesn't know or doesn't follow me on Instagram or TikTok, I just got engaged. Finally, the supply chain issues in my personal life were finally resolved. So I'm back, ready for 2022. And I'm getting married in 2023. So a lot of exciting news. But I am so excited to jump into this season of the Misfit Independent Podcast. And if you've ever wondered how influencers make money, what a day in the life of a content creator is like, and if this is the path for you, you definitely want to check this one out. And listen until the end because there are some gems that are dropped. For the first episode of this new season, I sit down for a conversation with Kat, the founder of Jetlagged Lovers. You can follow her on Instagram and TikTok at Jetlagged Lovers. Check out her YouTube channel as well. Jetlagged Lovers was a blog that Kat started to share her love of travel and photography, and it quickly evolved into a massive fashion, travel, and lifestyle brand. At the time of recording, Kat has over 1.2 million followers on TikTok, and she's grown this massive audience through organically sharing her authentic self. Let's jump into it. Hey guys, welcome back to the Misf Independent Podcast. So excited to have you here today. I'm joined by a really special guest. Hi guys, my name is Kat and I run a blog by the name of Jet Like Lovers. I'm really excited to be here today. Super excited to have you here. I feel like it's been a couple months planning back and forth, so it's great to finally yes. have you here in our new setup, which is awesome. I love the new setup and it's definitely been so hard to like make plans with anyone in person. Everything's been so online. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and like Zoom, honestly, I can't I can't do it. I have Zoom fatigue. <laughs> I'm looking at a computer I like know. 12 hours a day. I can't do it anymore. It so. drove me so insane. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I quit my job. Before we get into all the amazing stuff that you've been doing and like the crazy adventures you've had, can you share with our audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you got into skating as well and kind of your journey? Yeah, for sure. So I grew up as a competitive athlete. I was born in Canada, um, but spent a lot of time abroad in Russia, which is where my half of my family is from. So I grew up skating between here and Russia and was just going back and forth all the time. I was also homeschooled for most of my life, which I think kind of impacts the way I am now today. Um, and then I with through skating, I traveled a lot just like to different places for competitions. And it also like played into how I finished high school, which was in Switzerland. Wow. Yeah. So I was kind of all over the place. My family's been all over the place. And so truly a jet lagged lover. <laughs> literally. Yeah, quite literally. And then I followed the more traditional path after I quit skating. I went to university and studied international relations, having no idea what I wanted to do. Um, And then that was when in university that I kind of got more into social media and started my own consulting company where I was working with small businesses, trying to help them grow online and just learn more about what social media is. And I felt like I was some, I've always been a really creative person. So I always wanted to have a creative outlet, whether it was like me drawing when I was little or using Instagram when I was in university. So I really felt like that was my place to kind of show my creativity. And that's kind of when I started my blog. And 
it's all been uphill from there. So <laughs> awesome. Okay, so you started skating from a super young age, traveling yes all over the world for competitions. Yes. What What was that like? Like as a kid, you know, going through that pressure of like competing and you know constantly being on the ice. Yeah. So growing up, I'm not gonna lie, I hated skating with a passion. I hated it so much I would cry every single day. Um, it was definitely forced or felt more forceful from my parents. Like they really wanted me to be athletic. They put me in skating, put me in piano. They wanted, I mean, I learned different languages. So I was doing a lot as a kid and I didn't like it in the time, but now I couldn't be more grateful for having learned all of that when I was younger and for going through that discipline because it really taught me a lot in terms of organization and just like in general has shaped me into the person I am today. So in the moment, I would say I hated it, but I also loved it because it became my life. I was like at the skating rink from seven in the morning until 6 p.m. every single day. Wow. Yeah, and just kind of running back and forth between doing on ice sessions and like off ice and also going to school. So it was- Well, if you're there from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., like when did you have time to do school? So I was doing homeschool for most of my high school years. And then in grade 12, I went to half day school. So half day school was like, I would go skating, skating in the morning before 9 a.m., then go to school from 9 to 12, and then leave at 12 and go skate until 6 p.m. So that was basically my schedule growing up. And then that was the year kind of like where I decided, or my parents also decided where it's either you make it or you break it. And that was when I was 17. So that's when I decided to quit competitive skating and move abroad to focus on school full-time for one last year so I could get into university essentially. Okay so skating was like literally your life. Yes. The majority of high yes. school. Those are such like formative years you know. 100%. People are out there like you know going to house parties. Yes. <laughs> no my very first high school um, house party that I attended was in grade 12 and I remember I showed up with one of my best friends from skating because I had no idea who was there and it was just when I first started at Bayview Glen here in Toronto and I showed up to this house party and everyone was drinking and to me that was so weird like I had never tried alcohol at that point like I remember my friends and I would just like play at home and we'd be like oh yeah let's try alcohol from like teacups yeah <laughs> yeah that's why you're not a huge drinker now. yeah exactly but honestly it was the best year in terms of like being able to go back to high school and I remember I did the research to find the high school and like prove to my parents that I needed to go to school because that's all I really really wanted like I feel like I definitely missed out on that um growing up when I was in in grade three, I vividly remember like sitting in school and we would do um, interactive like where you'd sit on the floor in front of the teacher and like have all those like questions. And my mom would like pop up in the door in the classroom and be like, OK, it's time for her to go. And like because I'd always leave school early to go to training. So I was always like the odd one out who would like leave every recess, every like lunch break and stuff like that. And I always like missed birthday parties in the summer and stuff like that. So it was definitely like hard in the social aspect, but my social life was at skating basically and at any extracurricular that I was doing so I, I get that like I danced competitively growing up so, yeah you know going to dance after school first mm -hmm. of all as a parent yes it is so much time like going back and forth so I'm so grateful to my mom yeah for actually being like my personal chauffeur back in the day 100 you know? it's, it's so much work and like being there at every yeah every competition watching you right mm -hmm. yeah you don't realize it when you're younger and then now that I'm growing up well growing up I'm an adult now um <laughs> I'm thinking like how the heck did my mom put that much time into me like I I don't know how she did and into both my sister and I it's it's a lot yeah I know it definitely is especially like constantly competing and the training like the learning mm -hmm. discipline I think is an extremely valuable skill but um I'm thinking about back 
So like when I was dancing, I had Russian trainers. And I yes, know if it was the same. But they're like, oh my god, they're, they're intense. So tough, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I remember. In, I was in. Okay, so grade six, I that was the year that I kind of skipped school and moved to Russia to train. And I remember the trainers there compared to the trainers in Canada are so different. Like it's, I would cry. Like that's when I think I really started to hate the sport because the pressure that they put on you to do well, it's is something that kind of builds out that character. And that's where I really started to succeed and see like a progress in my career in that sport but that's also where I learned to like not, not like it as much for sure oh, I definitely hear yeah that. so I, I can see how like that kind of environment would drive you away from the <laughs> yes. sport you know so for sure it's awesome that you've still kept up with it and like now you know it's a hobby for you it's a creative outlet it's all these amazing things so yeah. what was that transition like like getting back onto the ice yeah and falling back in love with the sport so that's a really good question because I feel like a lot of athletes struggle with quitting their sport and never wanting to like look at it again. And I'm one of them. I When I quit, it's not that I didn't love the sport. It's just I was almost sick of the environment for having been in it for so long. And I was so it was so nice to be in a new and refreshed environment. And I feel like it wasn't like I was in varsity, obviously, because I, I I quit for a full year and then I came back to Toronto to go to University of Toronto and they had a varsity team. So naturally I joined it because I, I felt like that's what I needed to do to kind of like make friends at university and be part of something. So I joined it, but I can't say that I loved it when I was doing varsity. It was kind of like. I, I was happy to be part of something and to be part of univer- like the university team and to be doing it more leisurely. But at the same time, I wasn't loving it then. And I feel like social media is what made me fall back in love with the sport because I felt like people were actually recognizing me for the beauty of it. And I wasn't just being judged on my elements or my performance. And that's another big thing, like growing up in a competitive sport where you feel like you're being marginalized or like brought down all the time, like that really impedes on your motivation to keep going. And I find that with social media, I can do what I love and get recognized for it and that's that's kind of what helped me bring back that spark which is so crazy to think yeah i know for sure social media is a crazy place yeah (laughs) i I always say like it's both a blessing and a curse Mm -hmm. and as a creator myself like there are moments where i hate it and i don't want to be on it (laughs) yeah but at the same time like you got to keep going you need to have the consistency exactly so i want to ask like when you were first starting out what was it like um what kept you motivated you know because Mm -hmm. the response that you're getting now right like your videos have gone viral like 14 million views Mm -hmm. like crazy numbers you know on tiktok which is massive reach and like i'm so so happy for you right but what was it like in the early days like i remember following you you had like you're just starting out with 1200 followers (laughs) right which is crazy yeah yeah, yeah. versus like where you are now Um, for sure um so when i was starting out i knew that i wanted to put my creativity into something and i really enjoyed photography and creative direction and i really wanted to be a model growing up so i felt like that was my way to be a model without having to go through the traditional route of going to an agency and whatnot so that's when i started and i saw these bloggers and influencers and i just loved what they did and i just aspired to do that So that's when I kind of started and my motivation was just in the fact that I really, really loved it. And I think that comes with anything. If you love something enough, then it doesn't feel like a job. It just almost feels like a hobby. So instead of like some people go draw or some people go dance, some people go, I don't know, watch TV. I went and took pictures and I really, really love doing that. And when I first started off, I had no idea what I was doing. I started the account and I would post things. You probably remember like a year later, like we would go on a trip and then a year later I'd post because that's how long it took me to like find the courage to like post and curate my feed. And I was like, 
I didn't want it to be real time almost because I felt judged, I would say, when I was first starting out. And I remember I kept my account private too at first. Um, But when I really started to kind of see that skyrocket, like you said, when my videos started to go viral, that was when I started to bring in my uniqueness and individuality into my accounts. And I think that that's so important because starting out, I was kind of just following the similar structure that I saw other girls doing. And I had never posted a skating video. I didn't, I wasn't proud of that aspect of my life. And um, yeah, I think like throughout the pandemic, that was when I decided to kind of really, really focus on it, start to do it daily and also just like bring out my what like my individuality on it and just show my personality, if that makes sense. So that's when I started posting the skating videos and showing more about what I do day to day. And that's what really helped with the whole growth. That's awesome. I think for sure, like when you um, are authentic and you show up as your yourself, yes. you know, people gravitate towards that. Exactly. Like people can smell BS, you know? <laughs> yes, for sure. And I feel like it's so easy to get stuck in like thinking that you have to do it the same way everyone else does it. Like you'll see someone, you'll be like, okay, that's what I want to do. So you'll try to like mold into like what they're doing and without realizing that you can lose yourself doing that. And I think that happens to so many influencers and creators, especially when they're just starting out, including myself. Like that's, I felt like there was only like one way to do it and one way to go about and it wasn't until recently that I realized like no like I am me like I can be myself on here and people will love that yeah what was it like for you like you mentioned fear and a lot of our listeners either have side hustles or they want to start something right Mm -hmm. so fear is something that holds a lot of people back so what what did you do how did you get over it what kind of inner conversations did you have to just go out there and Mm -hmm. and do it I think that's such an important question to think about. Um, When I was starting out, the fear kind of laid within judgment of other people. And I think we all go through a time in our life or a phase when we really, really value other people's opinions more than we value our own. And um, I think that was something that was kind of impeding on my ability to succeed earlier on. And what I was telling myself, I guess, going back to my roots and skating again and being around family and doing things that are authentic to me is what really made me realize and reflect on the fact that again i am me i can be putting out what i want and it doesn't matter what other people think that was part of the reason why i started a new account too when i was just starting out because i was i felt judged by the people who were following me on my personal account and i didn't want that to become i didn't want people to think oh she's like full of herself and posting photos every single day and like oh she thinks she can become someone so i started a fresh new account i started interacting with completely new people online who are now some of my best friends which is amazing and my best friends were always like my biggest supporters and that's kind of how you realize who's really there to support you and who's there to more so judge you and it's so normal to go through like ups and downs with friends and lose people and gain new people but I think that's something we don't realize when we're younger on so we like fear it so much Mm -hmm. so I think yeah just telling yourself that what matter what you think matters so much in the moment will not matter tomorrow so (laughs) drop it definitely definitely agree with you on the aspect of friends like friends are supposed to support you they're supposed to be happy for your success and if there is you know i mean jealousy is normal it's a yeah. normal human emotion everybody feels it but the minute that you feel that energy from someone that they're not happy for you mm-hmm. they're pulling you down right exactly and it takes a lot of strength and courage to be able to cut them off and you want to cut them off just do it in a respectful way and exactly you know, they're not they're not looking for the best for you 100 you know? yeah and you kind of learn that as you grow 
Yeah. But it's awesome that you found this whole community of people through social media, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like with the finance creators, there's also a bubble of them. <laughs> yes. kind of knows each other and supports each other. So it's... That's my favorite thing about all yeah. of this. The amount of people that I've met who have not only been like crazy supportive, but have also like inspired and taught me um, everything that I know today and continue to teach me and inspire me is so incredible. And now that the pandemic is a little bit kind of sizzling down, I can finally meet everyone in person. And I'm really, really, really excited. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you ever met somebody that you've like looked up to for a really long time? You know, you followed their content, like they're a big source of inspiration for you. Have you met anybody like that? Have I met? No, because I would say obviously I kind of started doing this when the whole pandemic kind of started rolling out. So in the past two, three years, so I haven't met anyone, but there's always been a community of girls that I've always really, really look up, looked up to, and they've really inspired my, my ways. Like there's one influencer, her name is Helen Owen. And I always found growing up that her stories were so aesthetically pleasing to watch. And every story, whether it was about a couch she just purchased or a trip to Egypt that she just went on, was like watching a movie. And I'm somebody who's not super into watching Netflix or spending time watching TV shows and movies. I love watching engaging content on social media. And what she was creating to me was art. So that was somebody who I always like looked up to. And I remember like I, I told myself like this is what I want to be doing. Like this is what I, I like to do. So that's when I started my account and was doing my um, travel stories and was making them super engaging and all of that. And I thought that that was just like I wasn't even getting any traction at the time. I had like I think 300 followers, but I just enjoyed making them so much that it brought me so much happiness. And then that's kind of with that was a lot of consistency came and that's where um, you'll start to see like growth eventually. That's that's really interesting because like when I look at the content that you produce, like I feel that like I watch it and I'm like, Aww. wow, cat is just like having the most beautiful day. But it's like I, I think you just find inspiration in like little things. And mm-hmm. what's beautiful about your account is that you get to share the way that you see the world with your followers. Mm-hmm. And that's really special. You know, they're seeing your life through through a different lens. Right. Exactly. And going back to your question about fear, it's, it's interesting that you brought that up because even to this day, I'll still feel fear to like go on stories and talk because I, I feel like, oh, like I'll be judged for the way I'm like talking to the camera or I'm not good at it yet. And I will admit like I am, I don't feel as confident talking to the camera as I do creating my pretty stories. So that's definitely something I'm working on. And I think that there's always something that somebody fears, but it's about not showing it, about doing more of it when you're fearing it mm-hmm. um, that helps you get past that fear. So I remember I used to like hate talking to the camera and that's when I and bought my vlog and was like I'm gonna vlog I'm gonna put up YouTube videos and um even my boyfriend like he was so supportive he was telling me like you're gonna take stories every single day and talking to the camera I was like okay that's awesome it's yeah. great to have a partner that supports you and like supports sure. your growth yeah yeah before we filmed this Alex was helping me like make sure the setup was all good <laughs> you know? so yeah it's great it's great to have partners like that no friends partners like just having a group of people around you that inspire you and I'm not somebody who has a ton of close friends I have a ton of people who support me um in what I do but I'm a very independent person where I am very focused I guess on my career goals so I'm not somebody who um like has a a ton of friends or focuses like a ton of my energy on having close really close and like big friend groups mm-hmm. um but I really value the friendships that I have in my life so so are you just say you're more introverted or extroverted I would say I'm both I'm introverted in the sense that I I really like 
independency and like spending time on my own but I'm an extrovert when it comes to social gatherings and obviously putting myself out there I feel like with my career you can't fully be an introvert so I'd say I'm a bit of both yeah yeah you definitely can't fully be an introvert <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can people are different yeah but it's, it's where you get energy from right? exactly so you the time to recharge I'm, I'm the same way yeah and I feel like networking is such a big part of it too. Like I haven't really gotten the chance to do it too much yet. Like New York Fashion Week was my first time and I had so much fun. Like it's it's such a beautiful part of the industry is where you get to meet people and actually talk to them in person and um, see what they're like in person as opposed to online. Like I've heard some crazy stories. I haven't experienced any myself of meeting somebody who doesn't fit their social image. Um, but I like haven't. they look completely different. Apparently they look completely different. Wow. They act completely different. So I don't know. I've yet to encounter one of those. But. That's, that's interesting, especially because like the algorithm uh, – or people in general mm-hmm. connect when they when they see authenticity. So I'm surprised yeah. that there are people that can mask and just like right? be a completely different person yeah. online. But I guess you can be anyone online. Exactly. Now with like TikTok, there's so many accounts out there that are not fake, but it's just like a persona. Like you can fully become a different persona and like yeah. tell stories that aren't true, and people will follow you because they like they like that. So that's definitely it's a whole it's a whole other world. I know. You mentioned goals, so I wanted to ask you like, okay, you recently mm-hmm. like this past year watching your growth has been incredible <laughs> like some of the brand partnerships which Thank i want to get you. into and like how you go about those conversations but from working with like apple to massive like companies you know revolve and um to what's next for you like what what are your career goals what do you want to get out of um, out of your platform so the biggest goal for me this year was to take this whole thing full-time which is something I accomplished two weeks ago so it's both nerve-wracking and exciting and scary all at once I'm um, yeah. not gonna lie <laughs> so I feel like that was the biggest goal for me because I want to be able to focus all of my energy and put all of my time into doing this and I feel like up until now I've been working full-time for two and a half years and I've always been not half-assing but I feel like I've just been putting my energy into too many different places or aspects of my life and then when you're working like I was working for a bigger tech company when I was first starting out and that was great because I it was more of a consistent nine to five and then I'd take my five and PM and work on my own stuff but after that I transferred over to working for a smaller owned company here in Canada in the health and wellness industry which is a company that i absolutely love however the hours were no longer nine to five because you're fully invested in working for a smaller business so your role isn't as like a clear-cut role as it would be in the big corporate world so um doing everything wearing every hat exactly and i just felt like the hours were bleeding over so much that i didn't have the opportunity to focus my time into doing what i love and I'm so excited to be able to kind of put my energy into it now. And that that's when I'll be able to kind of identify my goals um, further and see where it goes. But right now I'm just just growing, just focusing on on growth. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was going to ask you if you had a word that is going to define the next chapter of this. Of, uh, I love that life. question. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like growth is probably the biggest one. Um, That was mine for last year, actually. I told myself, like, I had a vision board and growth was my biggest word. Um, And I I definitely achieved that with, like, the growth and followers and stuff like that. But I think just also in consistency, engagement, and, again, growth. I can't think of any. I mean, it's going to come to me. I'll, like, when I think of it, I'll let you know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was going to ask. So you, you recently, like, two weeks ago, Quit, quit your job mm-hmm. you're doing this full-time how long beforehand like how many years were you working on this behind the scenes I know you said you started like about three years ago yes what was that like you know because I, I very much relate mm-hmm. to having you know you're nine to five yes. you're working full-time and then you come home and you need to you know open up 
um, your computer and start mm-hmm. again, right? That's yeah, what, yeah. Like, my call it the night shift. I know. Yeah. Um, I think I have always been so accustomed to doing so many things, especially growing up as an athlete, having to go to school and all of that. So it's just something that I felt was just like part of me. I was never someone to just do one thing and then go home and relax. Um, so it felt natural to have a hobby to have like an extracurricular I guess as as you can say and like almost kind of like that but like for yourself and it's one that you love right um it's like imagine when you're in university like there's so many like extra clubs you can be a part of you don't have to be but there are always those people who are part of every single club and um I feel like I was almost like one of those like I wanted to be part of so much always so starting out it's definitely a lot of work um but again if you love what you do then it's like it's downtime for you and that's best part about it and that's why I really kind of fell in love with so mainly like the key here from what I'm getting what I'm gathering is just that you treated this as like a hobby like this was for you this was an outlet it was fun so it didn't seem like work to actually go in and do it exactly yeah no it was 100% like leisure hobby activity that I just enjoyed doing um during my off time and then it wasn't until I start started to see my account pick up and I would say when I first gained my first 10k followers organically which was like before I had TikTok before I went or no, not before I had TikTok, but before I went viral on TikTok, I would say. Um, and the first 10K, that like that growth of summer, it was two summers ago when I really started to see that growth. And that's when I started to feel so motivated and so excited. And I would actually make it kind of like a more so than just like a hobby. I would actually wake up and say, okay, today I have to like shoot five outfits. Today I have to film these five videos and um, started to treat it more as like a, a job because I, I saw kind of like an end goal with it as opposed to just like posting out in the open. So I think that that really helped. But again, just like having a love for it and th- I feel like that's the biggest drive you can have towards anything. Okay, so I want to ask you about that piece because there's a lot to Okay. To <laughs> so what was what was it like when you first started monetizing and mm-hmm. i want to ask you about what kind of income streams there are in like in the line of a creator so yes how how do you support yourself and mm-hmm. i think this is what our audience is going to be really interested in yeah specifically for sure. there's a lot of people that want to grow their personal mm-hmm. brand or um have product-based businesses exactly so what uh, what kind of strategies do you have yeah so starting out i had no idea what the financials of all this industry kind of entailed um And I saw so many influencers posting about, oh, I'm making so much more than I was ever at my nine to five doing this. And I was like, oh, this is like cool. Like, I mean, I wish I could be making money off this. But it wasn't until a year ago that I started monetizing my business. And before that, I was just like so in love with like the process of creating and doing. I was so happy to receive any type of gifting and that was exactly like a year and a half to two years ago when I started receiving gifting and brands were actually reaching out to say, hey, could you like take a photo in this piece of clothing or this product or whatnot? Um, And it wasn't until, yeah, a year ago that I kind of received my first brand deal. And that's completely, that completely changed my perspective because I was like, oh, like I can be making money doing what I love. And that's, again, that was a big driving and motivation factor. Um, But I think that that's also something that can take away from the authenticity of people's work. And that's what I didn't want. So I continue to tell myself today, even though I've been 
doing this now like full time as I saying for two years but I've been making consistent um, income for a year now um, I've been telling myself that I'm not going to let money be the driving factor I'm always going to keep it authentic and I will only ever work with brands or partners that I see value in that I actually admire that I like I will never um, work with a partner that I don't want to rec- or that I wouldn't use and I never would want to recommend that to somebody else and I think that's really important because you see a lot of influencers um kind of sway away from their authenticity to work with brands that they don't resonate with so much just because they can make that money um and now like I I work with an agent and she it was really important for me like I was on calls with different agencies for a year and my biggest thing was like I don't want agencies to or an agent to bring me in income and then for me to lose my spark in what I'm doing. And now working with someone who actually has the same goals as me, it's really interesting because I remember I forwarded a deal to her last week and she was like, I don't think this is fitting for your brand cat. We're going to decline it, even though the monetary um, compensation for it was one of my best ones. So that's awesome just to have somebody that also has the business lens and can mm-hmm. see what your brand is because, exactly i mean at the end of the day like your brand is like who you are exactly right? so yeah to have someone else in your court who can support you is, is incredible yeah no it's been really nice to have that extra support but it all comes in down to like yourself and what you see and value and again this is always going to be something i love more than anything and i i want to do so much with it in terms of like first of all inspiring athletes or people who grew up in a similar situation to to me to finding a spark in what they used to do and being able to recreate and refine the purpose of like being a competitive athlete or being something in a serious way and then being able to use it as a creative outlet and coming back to that roots or coming back to those roots I would say um to also inspiring other people to just create and and do things apart from just like the typical nine to five like I knew when I went to my nine to five my first nine to five it was I had graduated university in um spring and then I traveled to Thailand with my family for a month and that was really exciting and then the natural pathway that everyone was always following was like you graduate university you get your job and that's 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 your new life so that's what I did and I had no idea what the company was they were just hiring and I was like okay I'll go in for an interview um and ended up being in marketing for the tech company and I had no idea what the tech company was um so it wasn't anything that like it was just like almost like I was following a structure that I didn't like didn't understand Mm -hmm. and I think that that's a problem that a lot of people do so I think it's really really cool to see how many people are finding time into in or finding time to put their creativity and their um their interest to use like beyond their nine to fives and beyond whatever they're doing because obviously structure is important and it's taught me a lot like I am so thankful for the two and a half years that I worked full-time because I learned a lot but I will always kind of value and um praise people who go home and work on something else because I think it's really important too yeah I think I think it's really important to find a creative outlet or something that you enjoy Mm -hmm. and also like on my channel we're all about building passive income streams and yes supporting yourself because you know if you look at how things are in the world it's really tough Mm -hmm. to um to achieve like a certain level of wealth if you are working nine to five exactly like 
trying to be high up in a company. So yeah. definitely not the life for everyone. 100%. Um, but it's also really exciting and very motivating to know that you can make, there's so many other streams, like you were saying, to make money on the side. Yeah. And even like in university, I was working as a brand ambassador and that went from me giving out newspapers at 5 a.m. at different subway stations to like working um, more like high-end events and and um, doing more like hostessing. But that that kind of also gave me that drive to work and I remember my mom would be like like why are you going at 5 a.m to hand out newspapers like you don't need to go do that like you can I don't know I, I got a job at a restaurant for three months and I hated it because every single day I was just standing as a hostess at a restaurant and I had no like no opportunity to be myself like it was just like standing around and I found that to be so boring so I quit and never showed up like I just one day didn't show up and never came back I <laughs> love that um yeah but working as a brand ambassador like even just like giving out newspapers like I would wake up at 4 a.m and like head to some random subway station to give out newspapers and I liked it because I felt like okay I was making more than I was making at a restaurant but I also like felt like okay this is my drive like I'm waking up to make this money before I go to school or before I go to skating and um that also kind of like built in that discipline for me to always like find external sources to make money um yeah yeah I, I did some brand ambassador work back in university <laughs> it was the best it paid like yeah. way more than any other exactly. job exactly you got to work with like cool people it was new, yeah new projects all the time or new activations so yeah definitely a lot of fun. when I first got tiktok I was like recommend because there's so many like younger gen z people on tiktok so I was like I need to recommend this to people who are in school or in going into university because it's one of the best jobs you can do because you create your own schedule you don't have to like commit to a shift schedule or whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it um and yes you have to be careful now with what jobs you accept and i've heard stories of obviously um some brand ambassador jobs that aren't the best but um yeah it's all about kind of like going out there finding finding it for yourself like i was part of a facebook group called brand ambassadors of toronto yep, i'm in the same one still to this day um but yeah and i was like applying to I would say like I'd come home after your class and like apply to 20 different jobs a day and I ended up like working for like in, at TIFF I, I remember I really wanted to work like in the modeling industry and I was too short at the time so it didn't work out um but brand yeah, <laughs> but um being a brand ambassador I felt like was like a way for me to like almost be a model in a way like I got to attend cool events and it was like really really fun um without having to like be a formal model and I got to work at TIFF and I worked with Lint and they were paying me 35 American dollars by the hour to give out chocolate at for like the VIP TIFF events and I was wearing like a black hat and an all black outfit, but I remember I was so happy to kind of just be there yeah, and be a part money. of it, like, right? As a student, thirty five dollars mm -hmm. USD. That's what, yeah, like, forty five Canadian. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I was like stunned. Like I would take every shift I possibly could. I remember I couldn't feel my feet at the end of the days because it was just like always on your feet for really long hours. But yeah, I feel like that kind of built in that drive for me to keep going and looking for how else I can make money on, on the side. Yeah. So you always had that discipline. Again. Yeah. Like, you know, going to skating from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. would definitely <laughs> instill that in you. Yes. So it's, it's, I think that's like a very big theme is that when you want to go out and pursue something, mm -hmm. you've got to stay consistent. You've got to just like go after it. So 100%. When you got that first brand deal, that kind of was the spark that um, got you to keep going. And, yes. You know, you're very selective about like what brands you work with, but mm -hmm. walk us through what your day-to-day -day is like. So, I mean, what's what's behind like the beautifully curated feed, you mm -hmm. know, the perfect caption, like that all takes time and energy. And, you know, how 
what goes on behind the scenes to actually make that yeah so this is interesting too because a lot of people think that when you post something i mean the the goal behind it is always to make it look like it's authentic in real time but a lot of brand sponsored posts have to be approved like sometimes it'll be 24 hours ahead sometimes it'll be like a week ahead and you have to like film it to make it look like it's real time because you don't want to be posting a story that's been approved a week ago and make it look like it was a week ago so you would have to like so if it's raining I'll make sure to like post it on a day that it's actually raining um so that's like interesting to see because I didn't know that when I was starting out um and my first brand deal was with a company called Ardeen which is a clothing company here um and I remember I was so excited because I was like oh like they want to pay me like for my work and this was before I went viral on TikTok so I feel like they like saw value in me before I even reached that 10k point which I felt was really cool um but yeah I feel like my day-to-days now are very different from before before again I was treating it kind of like a side thing I would go to work and then I'd come home and shoot or submit the content that I needed but now a lot of emails it's a lot of behind the scenes of re- doing brand reach outs like nobody's going to know who you are until you reach out and tell them like hey i'm a content creator like i'd love to work with you this is why i think we would be a great fit to work together so, so sort of to go back how do you actually first of all find the right person in the company to reach out mm-hmm. to and what do you what do you email them like do you have a media kit with you know your stats mm-hmm. yeah so finding the right person to email that's like a whole research product project um you have to undercover (laughs) yes the amount of times i did that oh my gosh starting out the only one brand that i've ever wanted to work with was revolve i befriended every single employee (laughs) on linkedin that that. worked for message them all on linkedin because i thought that was a professional way i didn't know back in the day yeah yeah yeah. followed them all on instagram like personally and i built personal relationships with these individuals and then i remember reaching out before i had 10k and they were all like like you're great but unfortunately like the analytics aren't aren't what we're looking for but by building that personal relationship and responding and constantly creating that back and forth they all follow me now so we're we're friends and that's that really kind of i would say like helped me get to where i am with the, my relationships with a lot of the brands and i also really really admire having close relationships with the agents i'm working with or with the um, social media managers i'm working with because i think that's also really important um when you're working with a brand to get to know the brand i would say like on a personal level or whoever's like behind their social media because it helps you align your content it helps you align your goals it also helps you align the way you'd be speaking to them mm-hmm. yeah and then back to your question of what you'd send out so an email would just kind of be like hey like introducing yourself like a, a short bio and then i have a media kit where it just kind of like previews your work so if i'm reaching out to let's say a hospitality industry whether it's like a hotel or a restaurant i'll have a separate media kit with like a separate mood board showing what kind of content they could expect as opposed to like a clothing brand so and them a mood board as well with like what you yeah okay. exactly so depending on the brand that you're reaching out to so if it's like a more light and colorful brand i'll like put together my most like bright and colorful photos or like a feed um and i'll send that to them i'll be like this is the content you could expect from me or this is like some of my past work and then for other ones you'll make it like more dark and moody and more like high class i'd say um and yeah and then you'll also also send them your analytics and your rate card okay yeah Interesting. Okay, so how do you, we talked about like researching Mm -hmm. the right person to find, but um, the actual shooting piece. So 
how like because you're you're out there on your own like I'm sure you know your partner probably is so sick of taking photos of you I know Alex like he takes two photos and he's done yeah so how do you get like the perfect shot Mm -hmm. what kind of editing goes into it how do you make um how do you make a curated feed as well where everything looks cohesive because that like personally that's something that I'm challenged with really okay I I don't know if trends have changed at all because I'm hearing so much Okay, so first of all, I want to try to... We'll get into that. There's the whole under topic, yeah. Yeah. Um, So when it comes to shooting, this is, I guess, the biggest lesson that I've learned in this entire career is when I was just starting out, I would be taking like touristy photos where I'd be like, hey, mom, like take a picture of me in this, like we'd be like, I don't know, in Barcelona, it'd be like in front of like one of their monuments. Um, And then I'd be like, oh, I don't like that photo. Like why doesn't it look like this influencer's photo? And then when the whole pandemic started... I decided to get a tripod and I decided to start self-shooting. And self-shooting is very, very curated and very different from just going outside and taking a photo because you're basically dressing up and creating a whole aesthetic for yourself. You're picking the location you're going to go to that fits your outfit. You're also putting yourself in a position where you have unlimited photos that you can take of yourself. So I bought a tripod, it has a clicker on it, and the biggest fear was going out into public. So I was scared of that, so I'd wake up at 5 a.m. and go before anyone woke up. And in the summertime, that's great, but we live in Canada, so now it's a little difficult to go out at 5 a.m. because it's pitch black outside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you have to go during rush hour at, like, 9 a.m. <laughs> what, so what's that like, like, if you're out in public shooting? Because personally, like, I um, – it's, it's taken me a lot to, like, yes. be open yes. to Yes, 100%. No, I'm the same way still to this day, and you'd think, like, I'd be super comfortable. And some girls out there are super – super super comfortable the tiktoker the influencers in the wild yeah 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 (laughs) that's funny um but i admire those people so much and give them so much credit because it's it's really difficult to find that courage to do that because it's fear of judgment again like everyone walking by like they're not used to it i'd say now so people are more used to it Mm -hmm. seeing it so they're not as judgmental as they maybe used to be like two years back like down the road um but they're like people walking by will definitely like double watch or they'll like whip out their phone and like start filming you or like start shouting comments and it's not fun so I like to pick locations where there's less people um personally um yeah I love to go back to like my campus to shoot I feel like it's like really beautiful yeah UFT is beautiful and there's not too many people and I feel like you also do get over that fear because if you if you're doing what you love and you know that this is your job at the end of the day who cares what everyone else is saying you're getting paid for this this is your job they're just watching and judging you so if you were at an office staring at your computer why would nobody be judging you doing that and then somebody's judging you doing this so it's I think it's something where society is like becoming more open-minded towards it but you'll always have that crowd that's um close-minded and just not like or curious I guess like everyone's curious right like it's not like they're doing anything negative on purpose all the time it's just people are curious and they're like they don't know okay that was a really really good point that you brought up like this is my job like um how you kind of got yourself to understand that like other people's opinions exactly matter like you know yeah and especially if you have like a brand deal like you'll have sometimes a 24-hour turnover time like I have I got asked on Friday to submit content 
this weekend to have it approved to be posted on Monday. And in my head, I'm like, okay, like I'm going to go out and shoot it this weekend. Like I have no choice. So whether there's people, whether it's raining, whatever, this is my job. This is what I'm doing. So either if you're not comfortable doing it in public, which is completely normal. And like I said, I still feel that pressure. um, Then I would go and just find like a quieter area or wake up early, like find those compromises that work best for you. And yeah, you'll start to feel more comfortable. Like with a tripod shooting is, it has made such a difference because you feel so much more comfortable. You don't feel judged by the person taking the photo of you. Like my partner, my family has been super supportive with taking photos of me and I'm super thankful for that. But it's not the same as when you can go by yourself or now, now I like built a community I guess of girls where we go together and that's really nice too because you feel comfortable around those girls because they all are also doing the very um like the same thing yeah they get it exactly so you, you feel okay to like try out different poses and like you don't feel judged so that's really important too definitely Especially, like, feeling comfortable. Yeah, exactly. And it's, like, really easy to, like, feel, like, shy around. Even, like, some of your closest people. Like, I still feel shy, like, taking photos around my family if it's, like, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So I I want to ask you about trends because Mm -hmm. things have definitely changed. Yes. Like, on social media, things change so fast. So how do you keep up with new trends? Mm -hmm. How do you know what the algorithms are going to like? So, like, outside of trends, what kind of tips do you have for for our listeners Mm -hmm. on – how to grow their own social media so trends are a topic of their own especially nowadays like i think trends are changing literally on the daily and it's so neat to see because again it's something you have to be very open-minded to like i remember when tiktok just started out i was like my boyfriend actually he was like we his cousin younger cousin came over for dinner they were like on tiktok and taking tiktoks and i had no idea what tiktok was and my boyfriend was like Kat, you should get on TikTok. Like, it looks like it's the next thing. I was like, oh, like, it's not for me. It's like, it looks like a musically where you're just like dancing. Like, no, like, this isn't what I do. Um, So it's like that aspect of being close minded towards new things. And I think everyone's guilty of it at a certain point because you get so accustomed to what you're doing that you're not like open. Like now with Facebook and Meta, Meta, what's it called? Meta. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Who likes the name yet? Yeah. It's like a new like world that like, I I haven't fully like understood yet. I don't think anyone has, but it's something like you have to hop on. Um, So I think trends are all about being very open-minded and being quick to try. Um, It may not fit your aesthetic or fit your vision of what you always thought you'd be doing, but hey, that's what you got to do. And I think that that's what a lot of brands struggle with right now, especially with like um, user-generated content used to be so highly valued on Instagram and it is something that we saw rapid growth in on Instagram. But with TikTok, it's all about persona. People like to see the same persona consistently. So if you're running like a business account, I would say like the biggest advice is to tone it down from being a business almost like and make it into a persona. People want to see into the business's personality almost so like you've probably seen there's some business accounts out there that are skyrocketing like for example Ryanair and um trying to think of another one that's like really really good but Instagram like Magic Spoon has been really great like any brands that find their niche and are just able to kind of attract the person through that persona have been really good like on Ryanair we see the same face there's the same girl running it every single day there's not a ton of approval that goes into creating her content she just puts it out there it's based on trends and that's what people love because it's it's funny it's entertaining it's almost like you don't want too much brand education you want more brand awareness through new 
platforms, if that makes sense. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even for my personal brands, right? For like the e-commerce businesses that I have, we yeah. on, we're on TikTok. I have a social media content creator who is so on top of trends. Like she's fantastic. Amazing. And sometimes she'll send me things. I'm like, oh my God, Delpreet, this is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is awesome, you know? So, it, and a lot of the times it's like things that, if I'm thinking about like our brand essence, mm-hmm. it's not it's not you know necessarily like what I would want to identify the brand as. Right. But for people that aren't familiar with us, it's a great way for them to be introduced to the brand. Exactly. Yeah. And I would say like the biggest advice for anyone is to be super consistent, to be open minded, and to not be saturated on one. Um, channel like to really really expand and try out new things and try out new channels and I think like a big part of myself myself especially with my business is um, you were talking about the curated feed like that was such a big part of why I started out I really really liked creating that curated feed and like I was saying before like I would pre-plan everything before posting it and I still do because I want to create a certain brand look so for new visitors coming to my page when they go there you want them to kind of see it and usually it's like a five second turnover if someone follows you or doesn't follow you right so if they come to your page and it kind of looks messy and they don't know what they're looking at in my head I'm like okay I don't think this person will follow me but if they come and they they see that it's like clean and professional and okay this girl like clearly in fashion or beauty or whatever she is um she knows what she's doing I think like I really really admire that however now we're seeing such a big shift away from that and people are posting real time so people are going back to taking those touristy photos on the on the street and just like posting them in real time so I think it really comes down to how comfortable you are um whether you want to post real time or not, there's there's ways to go about it and and keep up with the trends. And I think like overthinking is another big thing that we all do, like Definitely. myself included. Like I'll save so many TikTok trends. I'll be like, I have to do them. And I'll be like, but I can't do them until I have this, 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 and this, and this. Um, but the idea is people just want to see you putting out content all the time. And um, I don't know if you like follow TikTok, but right now we just saw like a ho- huge growth spurt with Emily Mariko. No, I don't. Okay, okay. Um, she was posting like recipes and basically these cooking videos, and she went from having, I think it was like a hundred thousand to having six million or more followers literally overnight. Wow! And all she did was post consistently and post. I think she posts like three or four times daily, um, of the exact same content, and people really get accustomed to that. So if you don't see growth at first that's okay just keep doing what you love like find what it is that you like creating and create a ton of it because one day somebody will start watching it and they'll start scrolling and they'll see okay it's the same type of content they'll want to watch it all and they'll, they'll share it to their like friends and then their friends will watch it and that's what drives more audience if people keep looping and watching your videos so i i think that like consistency is key and I struggle with it myself i think everyone does because you don't know if you should like focus on trends or focus on doing what you love or not doing what you love, but doing like what your specific niche is. Um, but I think just like finding what you're comfortable creating a lot of is the key. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I liked your point about having like a professional clean feed and like something that I've heard before is that when someone lands on your Instagram page, that's yeah. like your business card, Exactly, right? yes. Six squares yes. that they see, or nine squares, mm-hmm. I guess, that they see and that's like your, your imprint, right? 100%. That's what they're judging you off of. That's what kind of impression you're making on them. So I like the curated feeds. Yeah. I, when I see like feeds that aren't put together personally, I don't, I don't like them. Yeah. But I guess there's different types of accounts, right? Exactly. Like, it depends. People try to have some theme 
and I think that's important just to have some sort of cohesiveness exactly and I think it's also important for when a brand or for when a potential partner is looking at what you do you do want to create that professional appeal in a sense um but again there's different types of accounts like there's so many tiktokers now who aren't as big on instagram so they're not as um as well versed i would say in creating the curried feed or i don't want to say well versed but they're not as focused on that they're not Mm -hmm. yeah they want to focus more on creating those tiktoks so they'll just like post photo dumps or whatever it may be on Instagram to show what their day-to-day life is like to their followers and that is a completely that's also an amazing approach it's just a very different approach I guess it depends on your audience right yeah if you are trying to target Gen Z then you want to be in the mind of like what they think and exactly like right yeah I look at like my younger brother for example who's like in second year university Mm -hmm. now and like his friends they post so differently from Mm -hmm. me you know they post like very like they're all hype beasts they all love their sneakers you know and like i i'm such a different even though we're only seven years apart it's such a different generation i was gonna ask though like from a business perspective what i'm really curious about like i have my social media uh team reaches out to influencers Mm -hmm. all the time i used to do this like i mean scaling my business has been a lot of like learning where my skill set lies and trying to be more of the strategic direction and then outsourcing and hiring people to do the work that I used to do. Right. So now that I've got like a team that does this, um, what kind of things should they be focusing on? And for anyone that wants to grow a brand Mm -hmm. or wants to reach out to influencers, like when you see a brand that reaches out to you, what kind of things do you respond to? And when you were earlier on, maybe it was different, right? Like you've got Mm -hmm. certain things that you said values and you're very particular about who you work with. Yes. Walk us through what advice you have for for business owners. For sure. So I'm really thankful that I have been able to work on both sides of the spectrum in terms of this industry. So I've been able to work on the side of reaching out to influencers and looking for influencers as a brand to work with. And of course, as an influencer, reaching out to brands um, to work with. So I've experienced what it's like to be on both sides of the spectrum. Like when you see a brand in your DMs, Mm -hmm. what makes you decide like, okay, I'm going to open this? Because first of all, like when you've got 130,000 followers, right? Like you probably get so many DMs. For sure. So I would say it's really important for a brand to email me as opposed to DM me. Um, I do go through my DMs to kind of scout them to see if there's any um, brands and a lot of big brands do DM because it's more personable. I'd I'd say one of the biggest things I look out for, whether it's a small business, a big brand, whether it's a brand I've never heard of or a brand I've always heard of, is that personal interaction that they have with you. So if they message you and they say, hey, Katia, um, have been following you, love your content, specifically really love the skating videos. We would love to discuss a potential collaboration. Um, What would be the best way to get in touch? I really like that approach of kind of them um, reaching out to me because what I'll do is I will usually email them or have them email me and then I will forward that to now my manager. But back in the day, I would kind of scan through my emails and see like who it makes sense to reach out to. But there's so many emails that I have had to like ignore because I wasn't sure if it was scam or not. But usually those emails will kind of be look like they're mass emails and they won't be like personal and you'll get a ton of follow-ups from that person and i i remember i've just like ignored some of the some of them for like mass mail mail merges that are sent to like a massive yeah and i still to this day wonder if any of them were actual like good partnerships that i could have done that i maybe missed or lacked or didn't look over because i didn't have the time to go through every single email in so much um, detail and like kind of look up the company and and look up and do like all that proper research. So unless I knew the brand off the bat and or knew that they were reaching out to me with a personal touch, then I would kind of just ignore it. 
but um yeah so i feel like the biggest thing like in looking at a brand is they have they should have a good instagram account it doesn't matter how many followers they have they should have that clean look and feel so when i go i know okay they are selling purses made out of real leather or whatever it may be like um i can see that i can click on their website it looks like a legit website and then i'll always go to their tagged photos to see what kind of people are tagging them in photos mm-hmm. so i think that's really important because that's where you'll, you'll see either influencers or clients um posting like real life day-to-day photos and if an account doesn't have too many of those that's where I'll start to feel skeptical but of course there are also small businesses that don't necessarily have that and I don't think that that's like a bad thing at all it's just about making sure that you take the proper time to reach out and as an influencer the exact same advice goes um, on the other side as well when you're reaching out to a brand the brand doesn't want to think that you're just reaching out to every single brand as a mass um they want to know why you're reaching out to them and why you think that they should be working with you because the truth is is there's so many influencers there's so many creators nowadays and it's amazing because there's so many like different people to work with but it's really about finding the right connections finding those right relationships because there is the perfect creator for every brand Mm-hmm. And um, the way to find that is to know that you guys are both invested into taking that time to write that perfect email or whatever it may be and creating that close interaction. Definitely. I think there is there's a lot in there. Personalized outreach in general, like I this applies to recruiting too. When I talk yeah. to companies, I'm like, if you want this person to work for you, you need to tell them, first of all, why you pick them. Yes. Right? Exactly. Why are you reaching out to this person? If it's a mass email, they're not gonna respond. Yeah, and sure. also like you want to make them feel special. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely um can learn from that, you yeah. know, and something that I'm gonna pass along to Dil Preet and if she <laughs> listens to this, for um, sure. she'll hear it for herself. But so personalized outreach was a big one. Yeah. How how do you make your outreach stand? out like i've been seeing especially if it's dms Mm -hmm. if it's a brand that you don't know let's say small business yeah and first of all i want to i want to talk to you a little bit about small businesses as well like are you open to working with small businesses have you you know i love 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 working with small businesses i think it's such especially like during the pandemic like there were so many small businesses that came to rise and i got to work with a lot of them and build personal connections with a lot of them like a little piece yeah exactly like a little piece of heaven that's exactly what came to mind i was like um but yeah it like i remember when they reached out to me they were like hey like came across you from a friend of a friend we just started this business like we would love to work with you and I was so happy that they kind of reached out and any small business that's ever reached out and made it a little bit more personal as opposed to even if you're just sending out like a dm saying hey I'm a small business would love to send you something or would love to send you an email um I would say like depending on the size of the influencer if they are able to go through their dms usually they will respond give them time don't get impatient or don't get discouraged with them if they don't, you don't get a response right away sometimes i'll go through my requested dms like once every week or every two weeks and i'll get back to people a little bit later than i probably should have but i still want to get back to them it's just about finding that time to do so um but i feel like email if there if you find an influencer creator with an email in their bio it's i would say much better to um to reach out through email 100 percent, yeah um and then on the other side with being a brand i would say now i'm seeing more than ever brands working with micro influencers and that's what's really special i think because we're realizing how important it is to see engagement as opposed to just those numbers of yeah. followers there's so many follower or so many creators from back in the day who have had so or who have acquired so many followers who have nearly not as high of an engagement as smaller creators so 
I think that's really neat to see. And I've been through periods of ups and downs of having good engagement and horrible engagement <laughs> from Part having. Part of that is just Instagram also changing their algorithms all the time. One hundred percent. Not showing content in people's feeds, which drives yeah, me crazy. I know. I know. You put so much time and energy into yeah. putting something together, you know. So it's really discour- like discouraging when I noticed that drop. I I was getting a consistent like. 30,000 views on my stories every single day and then that dropped to like 3,000. Wow. Right? And I remember seeing like I'm creating, like I'm putting all this effort into this and nobody's seeing it. But yeah, I mean, again, the algorithm changes, trends are changing. Um, Right now, everyone's focusing on video content. You just have to be able to repurpose. So I, that's where I kind of developed a strategy where I can like, okay, maybe I can repurpose my stories and create TikToks with them mm-hmm. or create reels with them and show my day-to-day in that way as well. So if people aren't seeing my stories, maybe they'll see it somewhere else. That's awesome. Yeah, like yeah. having one strong – and then I try to do this as well where if we're filming a podcast, for example, I'm going to cut pieces of it yes, to make reels, you know, repurposing <laughs> content because you don't have time to do everything. Yeah. So that's that's really smart, and I think that's a great strategy for our listeners to try to take, you know, 100%. into their uh, toolkit as well. Yeah, and you- just time management too. Like I think sometimes I'll spend way too long creating a piece of content that I'm like – wait does anyone even care about this so I think it's just like going back to like what is it that your followers want to see sometimes as much as you want to be creating something that you love and that's what you should be doing you also have to take into consideration what do your followers want to see so if you went viral on TikTok or started posting something on TikTok that people really enjoy keep giving them that because by giving them that you'll bring them into your life and then you can slowly start to spur out and post more of like what you enjoy and other things and people become more invested in your life but I think the main goal is to kind of like attract people by posting the consistency that they are wanting to see Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah no definitely Mm -hmm. I had one question though so moving back to if you had a brand reaching out to you yes how what are the different types of ways that a brand can work with an influencer so mm-hmm. like something that we do all the time is we run affiliate programs where we have a discount code yes you know um that's something that i think i was sharing this with a friend just like how affiliate programs work and it blew his mind yeah so can we chat about that quickly For and sure. also like do creators prefer to have like a set fee up front mm-hmm. or some sort of consistent income coming in? Like from your perspective, I mean, things have definitely changed for you over the years. Yes. But walk us through what, what that looks like. Yeah, for sure. So I think, well, first of all, the different types of brand deals that you can get are everything from having affiliate links. Um, like you were saying, you can be like a consistent ambassador who posts a, a discount code and you'll get a certain amount of return on that discount code for the amount of times that it's used. Um, gifting is another other big one so the brand will send you um product and if you like it then you post about it naturally and that's really great for brand exposure because sometimes a small business will send something and then the influencer will end up using it in their day-to-day and then that's kind of like free exposure in a way um the gifting is interesting because i find like a lot of brands expect you to post it yes you know? that's like- another thing and that's another thing that's really changed for me and it's it's hard because when I was just starting out, every gift that I received, I treated it as if it was a paid partnership and I would create my best content. And now, because I do have to prioritize certain partnerships and of course the paid partnerships over anything else, I have put gifting, I don't want to say on the back seat, but I've had to like put more focus into what I'm doing in terms of like the paid side and haven't been able to give as much attention to the gifting and it really also became or came down to me really like thinking about if I get gifted a product I'm not going to post it if I don't like it like I recently like now whenever a brand reaches out and they ask me if they can gift I'll always say 
yes, I'd love it for if you could send it to me. However, I will only post if I do like the quality and the product. So I just wanted to let you know up front. So if the brand feels like, okay, maybe they're not as fitting towards my brand, they won't just send it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another... That's really, that's really smart, actually. Mm-hmm. Just like you are being fully, you know, upfront and transparent yeah. with the brand and saying like, I've got my values. and Exactly. You know, yeah. nothing against you, but... This and is- I've learned to do that over the years because I remember like, um, I was working with Little Piece of Heaven and then another brand or another like small business reached out to me and they're like hey can we send you a sweatsuit and I was like yeah for sure and I didn't I didn't let them know that I wouldn't post if I didn't like it so when I got the sweatsuit it was it was an okay sweatsuit nothing special um I ended up just like wearing it to the grocery store one day so I posted it and just like tagged them and then I ended up having a really negative interaction with that brand and little piece of heaven like reached out and they were like yeah like we've had negative interaction with that brand too. So I realized, okay, I have to like start post, I have to start reaching out and letting the brand know that I, letting my know, letting them know my actions ahead of time. So whether it's like I'm receiving gifting, just letting them know that if I can't, if, if I don't love the quality, I'm not going to post it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, and then going back to what kind of partnerships you can do, there's obviously paid partnerships. Um, most of them do work on a campaign basis, some of them will go month to month um, depending on how much you bring in through whether it is a discount code or how much um, you bring in in terms of engagement or drive back to the website. So they track these certain metrics and then they set up monthly campaigns where like you receive a reoccurring fee in order to create that content. But that's probably so cool just to, like see the impact of, you know, your work and like you put it so much time and effort into like making this campaign for the brand to see the impact it's. I mean, that's why they've reached out to you. But like, is that rewarding? It's very rewarding. Like the first high end brand that reached out to me or like I would say higher end retailer was Farfetch. And when they reached out, I was like, I was really happy because I I haven't really worked too much in the high end sphere in in the fashion um, industry. And I really, really aspire to. So when they reached out and they obviously was paid um, with like a portion of it being gifted as well to be able to showcase the product, um, they let me know up front that if I brought enough sales that month that I would work with them again next month so I had a goal in my head but at the same time I didn't have high hopes I I was I know my followers are on the broad spectrum where they um I I'm like all about showcasing things that I like that are good quality but also just like not too too expensive if that makes mm-hmm. sense um, it's tough as a fashion influencer right like i look at like valeria lipovetsky yeah who does like um videos about her luxury designer purses yes. and i'm thinking i'm like okay the average mother mm-hmm. can't afford to buy a seven thousand dollars chanel bag exactly no that's where it's hard and that's where you kind of have to really especially now with like tiktok and like the younger crowd like you do want to focus your time on showing like good deals and um showcasing like good finds and i think that's where a lot of thrifting comes into play and a lot of just like yeah a lot of good like just like finding things that most people wouldn't but i also really really value finding paying a little bit more for something and having it last you longer because even being an influencer you can't for example like when i was just starting out i thought that you couldn't photograph one outfit more than once like once you photograph it that's it you have to photograph a new one so the amount of clothing that i went through in terms of fast fashion was obscure like i my closet was overflowing to the max and my mom was like what are you doing i was like no like i have to buy these things because i want to create the content but the amount of like 
materialistic material we go through in the fast fashion world it like over the past year it taught me that like no like I don't need all of this stuff even in terms of gifting like I'll turn a lot of gifting down because I don't I don't just need stuff for the sake of having stuff and I think that that's like a big problem with the fashion industry in a sense because it's like yes you want to be promoting a certain thing but again unless it's like something that you value and love and want to be able to share enough what is the point of just like sharing it for for no reason so that's where I've kind of come back into like my roots of actually really liking some high-end quality brands and there's some things that I've owned for like six or seven years that I can still wear and and style and I love them a lot of times brands will just put their name on clothes and it won't be good quality so it's really about finding that fashion influencer that is within your budget that can all that you can also rely on to share valuable information in terms of like quality and sometimes they'll be like what if you're working with let's say you're working with Gucci like I bought myself a pair of Gucci shoes and upfront honest I hate them like really <laughs> yeah this summer I bought myself the Gucci rubber slides I love how they look beautiful shoe I love the concept of it being rubber like it, it seemed like such a good purchase I bought them and I I barely wore them they're not comfortable. I, I didn't well, like I, I saw them like they're they're well, there's a lot of creators that yeah. also have like sim- similar styles and they and- influenced me to buy them yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking I'm like rubber heels are probably so uncomfortable they probably just like don't if you get wet yeah your feet like they don't stay on your feet so I can I can definitely see yeah. like I don't know like I I thought I thought the opposite I thought okay rubber would make it because I'm somebody who's very versatile especially with traveling like I like to just bring two pairs of shoes that I, I know I can wear whether it's like to the beach or to dinner mm-hmm. um so I thought okay they'd be a great shoe and I, I love the way they looked on influencers and stuff um but then I bought them and they ended up being just like uncomfortable so yeah I feel like that's something like I'm not afraid to go out there and say like yes I'll post photos and then they'll look nice but if you ask me and you send me a DM saying hey like what size are you or what size did you get is it comfortable like I'll give you an honest opinion and I love those interactions with followers so I mean that's what builds the engagement right when you're responding to people yeah um I was gonna ask so we talked a little bit about some of the partnerships right like Farfetch, Mm -hmm. Revolve, Arden early on um I recently saw you partnered with Apple which is huge so what was that partnership like and what are like some of the craziest partnerships or the, the most rewarding partnerships that you've had? Yeah, so Apple was definitely the craziest that's happened to me because it was it came very unexpected. It came when I was just starting to post all my skating content and after my one video went viral <laughs> last winter and I got an email and I didn't think it was real and then they scheduled a phone call and it, it was real and it like I didn't. Like I, I could have never imagined that something like that would come my way because it's not something I saw other creators talking about or posting. Like whenever I'd see a creator similar size to me or what I aspire to be posting with a brand, like that's a brand that I would make note of and reach out to. But Apple was just something that's, it, they are a very low key brand, which is why um, they made it very clear that they didn't want me to talk about the partnership. Like it's not something they wanted to advertise. They're very kind of low key in there more so to help support creators that I guess that they work with which is why you may not even know that some creators are working with Apple um but it was it was a really cool um opportunity and I'm so happy to continue to be working with them now to this day so it's been almost a year and um they're definitely a brand that's just very innovative and I really like how it's they support without wanting the exposure so they had an event for us last year and 
they had rented a private ice rink for some of the creators here in Toronto and they had invited me and it was a really spectacular crazy experience and I remember I showed up with my vlog camera because I wanted to um I wanted to film the experience to be able to post it on my YouTube channel tell my followers about it and they very specifically asked that they that you don't share with anyone that this was an Apple sponsored event that you were even here they want it they wanted it literally to be for the present moment for you to fully enjoy it that's so awesome and I thought that was very cool but I feel like every brand partnership I've ever gone has been rewarding in its own way. Um, whether it's a small business or a big brand, like I like it still all feels like a dream or like Christmas morning when I wake up to boxes, whether I paid for them or not. So it's it's really um, yeah, I feel like every partnership has its own special moments to it. Definitely. I mean, such such like heartfelt stories, especially like <laughs> Apple, you know, being able to uh, to organize that and like let you enjoy that i think that's that's really cool i have one last question for you cat we've been here for a while so i want to ask if you went back in time and got a chance to talk to like 15 year old self Mm -hmm. what what would you say like what kind of advice would you give her yeah so a lot of advice um again i feel like we've touched on all of these points throughout the conversation in general but just going back to the factor of not caring about what other people think focusing on yourself and focusing on doing what you love I wish I could go back and tell my 15 year old self to to like to focus on those three things that I just said because when you're 15 or around that age that's when you care about what other people think you're scared to do anything out of line of what your other friends are doing or your classmates are doing you're you're really trying to mold into what you think the people around you are Mm mm-hmm and I think we all lose our individuality. And I'm really thankful that for part of that, I, I was homeschooled and I was still training intensely and working um, very differently and out of line out of most people that I was surrounded with. So that helped me see life in a little bit of a different way. So I'm really thankful for that. But I think being 15, like you – you again think that everything that happens to you then whether it's like losing a friend or ruining a friendship whatever it may be um is like the end of the world and i think it's so important to remind yourself that that's not going to matter whether it's a year or two years from now and to i wish i started earlier honestly i wish i started earlier in the sense that i wish i didn't care i started posting i started my account earlier um but again another good point of advice is to remember to keep your own pace mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people get carried away thinking like, oh, this person's so successful at my age. Like I'm too late. Like when I was starting Insta- to whom? Like based yeah, on what time? Exactly. Like, that crazy, but, but I get it. Yeah. When You're I, comparing. two years ago when the pandemic started and I started posting, like I remember I was telling my close um, group of friends or my partner, or whatever, that I really, really wanted to do this. And a lot of them had the same response of, I think it's too late cat because the people who have, really kind of succeeded in this industry started three years ago and i don't think that there's room for new people there's always room every there's market can room. be saturated there is always yes, space because exactly. no one is you mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah and i remember like the exact same thing like i would see all these girls going on the revolve trips and thinking to myself like maybe i am late like they keep working with the same girls there's no room for them to bring in new girls and i was like it felt discouraging and I feel like that kind of that mentality held me back for a really long time but no there's there's always room there's always growth there's always something new that's going to happen whether it's meta now or tiktok whatever 
um yeah there's there's always room to keep going so don't let somebody else's timeline or somebody else's um success deter you from what you see yourself doing or what you want to achieve in life so yeah just keep going <laughs> that's awesome cat thank you so much for being here for sharing all your yeah. wisdom your energy with us i feel like we've gone into a lot of really really great points yeah, a lot I of actionable a lot. To, well, it's a podcast cat that's what we do but i appreciate uh, you being here and sharing with us thank, thank you so, so much. much for having me no this was really fun